a burning, burning deep down within, and he holds me with an unclean power, and turns me
Thank Mother Johnson for that selection. Yes, yes. We do give honor to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ this morning. Uh, we honor Mother Johnson and Mother Scudder, Elder Sherman Warburton and Elder Renee Reynolds, Minister Willie Mora, our very fine deacons and our prayer best children. We praise the Lord Jesus Christ for all of you who have assembled here this morning. Jesus is blessing. Jesus has blessed us. Thank the Lord Jesus Christ for being able to go out yesterday to do our year in meet year in end of the year meeting. How the Lord Jesus Christ blessed us. We got lost on the way down there for some reason or another. Just didn't see it. It was right up under our nose, the place where we were going. Right under our nose. It's sort of like salvation that can be right up under your nose. And Jesus has to give you the mind <laughs> to be able to see it. And you just go right past it. And just kept going past it, going past it. And, you know, then, of course, when you don't see something, you have to ask somebody. Uh, and of course, I sent the asker, which was Elder Willio, I sent it to, into the library down in the, the other library, and she went in and asked, and they told us that we had gone past it and how to get there. And for that, we praise, praise the Lord Jesus Christ. For someone able to give us an answer, for the mind to ask. Yeah, it reminded me when I used to ride with my dad and sometimes and my mom would, we would get lost somewhere and you know the two of them at that, that point because both of them knew. And of course nobody knew, but you were just lost. And of course you know how that interaction works. <laughs> One gets mad at the other. So uh, thank the Lord Jesus for the Holy Ghost. <laughs> thank you for the Holy Ghost. Uh, we're not going to be very long this morning. I don't think. We'll see how this works out. I don't like to say that because it, it works a little different sometimes when you get started. Uh, uh, like that song Mother Johnson sang. Very strong. Yeah. Y'all listening. Hebrews. Hebrews, the 11th chapter. For those of you interested, I wrote this myself. Eleventh <laughs> chapter. Uh, let's do verse number uh, let's do one through six. That's what we're gonna talk about this morning. One through six. But faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, 
and by it he being dead, yet speaketh. By faith Enoch was translated, that he should not see death, and was not found, because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony, that he pleased God. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. That's where we're going to go. Verse number six. Verse number six. I believe. I believe. Uh, what does it mean to say that you believe? Uh, in this situation, it is an understanding that it is an action word. Uh, it's not just something written there where it's just a, a word that uh, doesn't mean anything or it just has a stationary position and just occupies a space. Uh, it's a word that uh, shows action. And it's preceded by the word that says must. Uh, you don't have a choice in this. If you're going to come to the Lord Jesus Christ, because Jesus is God, you must believe that he is. You must believe that he is. And if you believe that he is, then you will do what belief does. If you believe, then you'll do. Uh, and then, of course, what comes in there, uh, the thought that uh, uh, my thoughts, <laughs> and Jesus has already told us that my thoughts are not his thoughts. And my ways are not his ways. And then in Proverbs it says, there is a way that seems right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. And I told you I wrote this one myself, uh, and I, I, I started, I'm going to tell you where I started. Um, the leaves right outside there, and this is how I came about this whole idea of the understanding. Well, I understood anyway, but I wanted to be able to get it over. But what my way does, uh, Jesus blesses us with tools, and I had the leaf blower. And uh, uh, our sister can appreciate this because she likes to tell stories. I'm going to tell you a good story now. Uh, <laughs> the leaf blower and the leaves. Now, you can blow the leaves and you can push the leaves out and push them to the right and push them to the left. But the whole idea was to get the leaves out of front of the church so that the leaves wouldn't be tracked back in by us coming in. So I started blowing the leaves. And they just kept coming back to me. 
And you wonder why that is. There was a way that seemed right to me, <laughs> but it wasn't according to the Lord Jesus Christ, because he had another way. So I had to learn what Jesus' way was. His way was, the wind was blowing that way. And all I had to do was gently, every so often, push it, because the wind would just take it and take it all right over. <laughs> There's a way that seems right unto a man. But the end thereof are the ways of death. And I, it seemed right for me to try to blow them that way, because that's the normal way we always blow them over toward the dumpster. But it just didn't work, because the wind was blowing them back the other way. And all I had to do was to be obedient to the way that Jesus was blowing them. And they all just swept right on out. Just swept right on out. That's what belief does. Belief. If you believe, you'll do just what Jesus says to do. You'll stop trying to find your way through this. Because see, your way through it is not, your, not the way. Hasn't worked all these years. It won't work in the years to come. All you have to do is submit. Humble yourself. And, of course, humbling yourself before Jesus Christ is acknowledging that Jesus is God. And that I've been wrong all of these years. I've been doing this the wrong way. And if I can just do that part and acknowledge that I want to be saved and that Jesus is the only way, that's, a, that's the beginning of it. That's the beginning of it. And then you'll have an understanding where it comes, it says, the scripture says to be baptized. Well, first of all, as, as the deacon always says, you have to repent. <laughs> That's your repentance. You're turning from the way that you've been thinking all, thinking all your lifetime. And you, you, you turn your way to Jesus Christ, who says for us to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, or the remission of your sins. And he says, if you do that, you'll receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Uh, then, of course, that's another belief. You have to believe the part of being baptized that your sins will be remitted. You'll be no longer in condemnation. And then you have to believe that if you get at an altar and call the name of Jesus, then you'll receive the Holy Ghost. Uh, the word identifies it as the precious gift of the Holy Ghost. Because it is a precious gift because Jesus will come and live inside of you. That's hard to fathom for a lot of folk. But you have to believe. That's your action word. You have to actually believe that this is going to happen if I call the name of Jesus then he's actually going to come in and dwell inside of me. Because it won't happen until you believe it. See, if you believe it, you'll actually humble yourself and you'll start doing the work. You'll separate yourself from those folk out there in the street. You'll separate yourself from them. You'll sanctify yourself. You'll start trying to look holy. 
you start trying to be holy. You know, folk come in here, a lot of times they say, uh, they, they come in with their the lipstick on and they see ain't nobody in here with lipstick on. And before the service is gone, they've eaten the lipstick off their lips. <laughs> they can't get the nail polish off their nails because it's kind of hard to do that. But sanctification, you don't want to look like the world. You don't want to be like the world. You want to be like Jesus. If you just kind of get it like that, that I want to be like Jesus, then he'll start showing you what it's like to be like Jesus. He'll put that thing into action of learning of him. Learning of Jesus, knowing what pleases him. Now, I know we have to please lots of people. Uh, for those of you that are married, you have to please your husband. You got to. Because, see, once you're married, you got to do what your husband tells you to do. He's the boss in your household. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Anybody's laughing about that. <laughs> That's the way it's supposed to work. The husband is supposed to be the head of the household. And the wife is supposed to submit, their husband, submit to their husbands. It makes peace in the house if you only have one leader. So that's the natural order of things. Now if the husband wants to give you control, that's fine. That's up to y'all. But I'm telling you what the natural order is. The husband's in control, so you have to do what he says to do. But when it comes to your soul, your soul, you got to do what Jesus tells you to do. Because you wouldn't have the husband without Jesus. So if you love your husband, then you do what Jesus tells you to do. You have to submit yourself to Jesus Christ. And I don't know how to get that over enough. It's, it's kind of you can say that to you almost blue and I'm really way off my message that I wrote I'm not even on the written part at this point I, I, it's hard to get this over the folk because we just want to, we want to be found pleasing to people you want people to like you you want people to accept you and when, when it looks like that then you start it's a conflict an automatic conflict between you and what you want, and you and what Jesus wants from you. There's a little conflict there. But all you have to do is recognize, recognize who has the control of all things. It ain't your husband. <laughs> it ain't your wife. It's Jesus. See, Jesus is the one who orders everything. He orders the Son, and we were talking about the rain yesterday. It was been so much rain. It's just a bit, and then turn around, all that wind behind it. Well, this wind comes behind it for a reason. It dries up the rain. All that water we have, and then all of a sudden you have all this water around. What you going to do with the water? It's not going to soak into the ground. The ground is saturated. But Jesus sends the, sends the wind. And the wind comes along and dries up what's left. Isn't it marvelous when you're not in control? <laughs> It's marvelous when I'm not in control because I wouldn't have the mind to do that for you. Jesus has everything in control. Not just some things. Everything. And of course your mind, the mind of man will try to figure out, I said, well, 
he ain't doing nothing about this or he ain't done nothing about that. That's not for you to know. Right. <laughs> not for me to know. In this time, he takes care of everything. Yeah. That makes, that's what makes him God. Yeah. Jesus is God. There is no other. He's a father through creation. He's a son through redemption. And he's the Holy Ghost. He's the Holy Ghost because he is the keeper of the sustainer of life. Without the Holy Ghost, you can't live. Without the Holy Ghost, you are not alive. Jesus has it all in control. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. Jesus. He, um, so the Hebrew writer was trying to get this over. Now I'm going back to my notes. Now. Hebrew writer was trying to get you to understand why the Jews were in such a bad situation. They missed the rest that Jesus said they could have. They missed the rest because of unbelief. So you got to believe this thing. A whole nation of folk missed it. Missed it. They, they were left in the dust. They say they walked 40 years. They say, the word says, they walked 40 years. And they walked themselves into the dust because of unbelief. See, when Jesus promises you something, and he says, I'm going to give you something, you have to believe. You have to understand what it is. So when the spies went and they came back with their report, some saw the giants. <laughs> and some saw the land being unfit for anybody. But the ones who saw the had the understanding that the, the land was filled with milk and honey. <laughs> Those were the ones those are the ones that made it. Yeah, thank you, so when Jesus promised you something, and he says, I'm going to do this for you, you have to believe he's going to do it. You can't doubt him. That's why we encourage the seekers when they come to the altar and call the name of Jesus, believe that he's going to fill you with the Holy Ghost. Because he's not going to fill you with the Holy Ghost unless you believe it. He's not going to go against what you believe. So, because of unbelief, and the writer was trying to show this all through Hebrews, what happens with unbelief. Uh, for saints, sometimes unbelief will cause you to fall. Uh, in the natural world, it's, it's, it's trying to understand what my unbelief will help keep, keep me from doing. Now, my unbelief, I won't jump out of an airplane <laughs> that's 30,000 feet up because I don't believe in that. <laughs> you can give me a parachute <laughs> and I still won't jump out because I don't believe. <laughs> you follow where I'm going with this? You have to believe that Jesus is able to do what he said he's going to do. So my belief will allow me to get on the plane because I believe that it will fly. I believe that Jesus supplies the, air, the, the pilot. 
and, and, and the airplane will get up in the air and go up. I believe that. So I'll fly on the plane. I believe that if I get in my car, I can drive across town and nothing will happen because Jesus will, will guide me. But I cut it off when it comes to you giving me a parachute and telling me to jump out of a plane at 30,000 feet. I don't think that's necessary to exercise belief. <laughs> now, you may think that your system's a little different. Now, you fellas have been in the Army, that's fine. But I don't, I don't have to do, it's not required of me, that part. Uh, it's not a requirement to live. But if you want to live on, you have to believe that Jesus is God. Because it says, you must believe. It's a requirement that you believe that Jesus is God. And he is what? A rewarder. Rewarder of them that diligently seek him. He's not going to do anything for you. He's not going to give you anything if you just casually seek him. If you just read your Bible once a week. When you come in here, if you just study Jesus just one time a week, if you fast when you feel like fasting, <laughs> you know, there's a fast and there's a fast. Uh, when you fast against what your normal, what you want to do, that's a blessing in that. But if you just already, you done practice this thing up so that on, on Thursday I fast, uh, there's no blessing in that. Uh, and your fast should tell you that. When you pray when you just want to pray, it don't work like that. When you pray just because you're in trouble, it don't work like that either. You have to pray in good times, you have to pray in bad times. You have to pray in the middle of times. There's always a reason to call the name of Jesus. There's always a reason to get on your knees and, and, and submit yourself to Jesus Christ. Always a reason. All you have to do is just look outside there. You thank the Lord Jesus Christ for the sunshine. Because he didn't have to do it that way. It could have been raining again today. It could have been snowing. But the Lord ordered sunshine for us today. Temperature, is, I think it's going to be 45. That's good enough. <laughs> I think it's, this is wintertime. It's supposed to be cold. It's supposed to be cold there. So I find no fault in what Jesus does. If I had to evaluate. Jesus blesses. But if he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him, you're not seeking him for the weather. You're not seeking him for sunshine. You're seeking him for life. Jesus rewards us with eternal life. So that one day when you stand before Jesus Christ, and we're all going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ, there's not a man or a woman in here who not will appear before Jesus Christ. And when you stand before him, he already knows before you get there. We stand before him and he's going to look at you. 
He's going to ask you, do you still have your robe of righteousness? I saved you. Are you still saved? That's for the saints. Do you still have it? You say, yes, Jesus, I still got it. Look me over. <laughs> Look me over. I still have the robe that you gave me. Matter of fact, I have some gifts for you. I want to lay them at your feet. And Jesus says, I have a gift for you too. He says, step out of that shell that you live in and step into the shell that I have for you. Shell that is eternal life. <laughs> the one that's incorruptible. The one that does not have to sleep or eat. The one that can praise Jesus 24 and 7 if you want to look at time. That's the shell that you want to live in. You want to live eternally. But you can't do that until you repent. Turn from the way that you're in. You're in now. Jesus gives us all that opportunity. Gave it to me almost more than 30-something years ago. I didn't know what I was coming back here to Cali from California. I thought California was the best place in the world. Get up in the morning, you look to the east, and all you saw was the sun coming up over the mountains. I told my wife, I said, well, yeah, I get in the car and I ride down. Uh, ride down, I don't even know what the street is now. Ride downtown. I had a job downtown. I'd ride downtown. All I had was a suit coat on. And the sun would be coming at me. And, I, and, and when I got ready to leave in the evening, if I stayed downtown too long, I would ride and the sun would be in front of me going down into the ocean. I said, who would not want to live like this? <laughs> I thought that I was living. But the Lord Jesus Christ said, no. Let me show you something different. <laughs> in the chaos, I consider it to be chaos. Jesus ordered me out of the chaos and allowed me to drive almost 3,000 miles by myself. Allowed me to come in, hear the word of the Lord Jesus Christ. But the biggest part was he let me see the word in action. <laughs> What it meant to praise Jesus. Why you praise Jesus. I didn't understand any of that. But I knew when I left out of there, I said, when I get back into this place, <laughs> I'm going to get up in that chair and I'm going to sit down. And I'm going to say, yeah, I want this. I want to be saved. When Jesus shows you that part like that, you want to run for your life. Run for your life. And there's a certain part that tries to hold you back. And I recognize that too. As fast as I got in the chair that night, as fast as I got in the chair, the enemy got on, it was just as busy as he wanted to be. Went to the 7 Eleven up on Hill Road. My wife said, why are you going into the 7-Eleven for? I said, I need some cigarettes. She said, well, don't you just remember what you just did? I said, what? You gave your life to Jesus Christ. I said, oh, you don't need cigarettes no more. 
I said, oh, that was the last day that I ever smoked a cigarette. <laughs> 1984, the November, no, October, October the 31st, whatever, whenever overseer night was here. The last day that I ever smoked a cigarette. I couldn't even tell you what they smell like. I couldn't even tell you what the liquor tastes like any longer. The, the cigarette odor, you get in the street, you smell it every so often. But, and it just reminds you what Jesus brought you out of. Where the Lord Jesus Christ blessed me. Where I was dependent upon something that people got to put patches on. But Jesus delivered me from it with just by me acknowledging that I did not need him. Because I needed Jesus. And Jesus would supply all my needs. Diligently seek him. You look for Jesus like that, he'll do just the same thing. He's not a respected person. What he's done for me, he'll do the same thing for you. But all you have to do is exercise that. Do something about it. Believe. It's an action word. You got to put it to some work. He says, I believe God. <laughs> and you look at that scripture, you see where the folk believes that. Say, well, I, he said, I believe God, and people stopped doing what they were doing. And acknowledge that God was in control. You have to believe God. You want to do it like that. You have to believe God. I do it a little better. I say, you have to believe Jesus. He will do exactly what he said he would do. You want, to be, you want to be saved, he'll save your soul. You want to be kept, he will keep you. But you have to acknowledge it. You have to acknowledge it. The, uh, look at that verse number 25. We won't go into it right now. Uh, how you think that you have something. And that's what Moses, they use Moses as an example. Moses decided that Jesus was better than what they were offering him. Now, he, he, he had position. People, people have position. And, and, and Moses had position. He was like at the top. And he's going to be even more at the top. But he had an understanding that he would rather, re, rather bear the reproach of men and, and, and be accepted of Jesus than be uh, living like a king by their standing. He says, by faith he forsook Egypt not fearing the wrath of the king. You have to be to the point where you don't care about what goes on out there and what anybody thinks about you. They want to call you holy people? Yeah, let me be holy people. They want to call you a holy roller? Yeah, let me be a holy roller. They want to call you joining, sitting up, at joy, sitting up in the holy church, praising Jesus? Yeah, let me praise Jesus. I want to be saved. I want to stay saved. I want to do everything that I have to do in order to stay saved. 
Not, not just some things. I want to do all of it. As Jesus presents it to me, he shows it to me what I need to do. I want to acknowledge that. Yeah, I need to be born again. I need to stay born again. You don't want to go back. Jesus has life for me. See, the Jews had that understanding at the end. And we're going to close out in a few minutes. You know, the, when the, they came to the Red Sea, and they got mad at Moses. So you done brought us to a place, and, and, and uh, the uh, Pharaoh was going to come and get them. And, of course, their faith was in what Moses could do. They weren't too much believing what Jesus could do for them. But Jesus brings you places a lot of times, and if you just exercise just a little faith, see, they could have run and ran back to Egypt, and some probably did, but some stayed their ground. Because Moses said, well, you just wait. Stand still. See the salvation of the Lord. And the sea parted. You have to stand still and see the salvation of Jesus Christ. You have to believe. You have to believe that what Jesus is trying to give you an understanding to do, that he's going to do it. If he says he's going to save you, let him save you. Don't give up on Jesus. Don't give up on him. Jesus has it all in control. Whatever your fears are or whatever you think is going to happen, uh, whatever you have a concern for, Jesus has it all in control. You have to believe him. Otherwise, you wouldn't get at the altar and call the name of Jesus. I called the name of Jesus because they were told me that in order to receive the Holy Ghost, you have to call the name of Jesus. I didn't have the understanding because I didn't know anything about that there'd be a Holy Ghost. Because, <laughs> see, I was one of those folks that came way out there in the head. Had no understanding of what, I didn't understand what church was about like that. I went when I wanted to go. <laughs> they said, if you call the name of Jesus, he'll fill you with the Holy Ghost. So I got at the altar and I called him. It didn't happen the first night, but you have to have faith in order to believe that Jesus is going to, going to save you. He's going to actually give you that what you're asking him for. So that brought me back again to the altar. In between the time I wasn't working, my wife said, well, why are you sitting up in the house doing nothing? <laughs> I was doing nothing. Why are you doing nothing? Get on your knees and call Jesus every, every hour. And uh, because I wanted I wanted what they were telling me that I could get if I called the name of Jesus. I wanted it. So I did it. I would get on my knees on the hour and I would call the name of Jesus. And it was about the second or third hour that I stopped. And I didn't stop because of unbelief. I stopped because Jesus manifested himself to me. 
I knew that I was the only one in the house. The children were in school and she was at work. But somebody was actually pushing me in my back. And I said, well, this can't be right. <laughs> so I got up. I was scared. I was scared. But I wanted I wanted the Holy Ghost. I wanted what Jesus said that he would give me. So the next night, I got on my knees and I called Jesus. And this was probably about a Wednesday or a Thursday. Probably Wednesday. Still nothing happened. But on Friday night, on Friday night, I got on my knees and Elder Williams, and y'all can even hear her voice saying, call him. <laughs> she couldn't get more than that out because there wasn't nothing else left. Just call him. Call Jesus. And she tarried with me. Just like we tarried with you, she tarried with me until I called Jesus. And when I, kept, when I, when I got a little weak, she told me, call Jesus. And then when the enemy came in, because see, Satan doesn't give up. If you think that he gives up, he doesn't give up, and he came back. And he was trying to have a hold on me. But she kept saying, call Jesus. Call Jesus. And as I called Jesus, I could feel the grip that grip, that thing that had my back stretched out so bad like that. And I was trying to call Jesus, but then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, he let me go. And Jesus took over. Satan didn't let me go. Jesus smacked him upside his head. Because <laughs> I was still calling Jesus. And I called Jesus until the point where that was a praise. Down on the inside. <laughs> that was a praise. That was a burning. Jeremiah said it was like fire. Shut up in my bones. I had to get it out. What Jesus has done for one, he'll do for the other. <laughs> I'm telling you, my journey. There's a whole bunch of journeys right in here. Just like in Hebrews. There's a whole bunch of journeys right in here. But you have to want this. You have to want it. Not going to happen to you because you have osmosis. Osmosis does not work. You have to want to be saved. And I'm giving you the plan of salvation. You have to want to be saved. And all you have to do is walk in it. All of our services are one in ten. says that Jesus desires all of us to be saved. Coming to the knowledge of the truth. Truth is you got to be born again. You have to be born of the water and of the spirit. Water birth, baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. Spiritual birth, calling upon the name of Jesus until he fills you with the precious gift of the Holy Ghost. He gives you the evidence of speaking in tongues as he would give you utterance. He'll quicken your body. 
He'll give you that fire that shut up in your bones. Jesus has it all, all in control. All you have to do is acknowledge him, diligently seek him. Oh, you here today. Man or woman, boy or girl, we invite you to come right now. Right now. I know.